0: Have you ever had uh, any of those days that you felt beat up? I mean, you just felt like you know you didn't have a literal black eye, but you felt like somebody just been kind of uh, kind of beaten on you. You know those days that well, it's not anything physical, but it's just one thing after another, uh, this constant press, and you just. And at the end of the day, you just feel, you know, down and out. Uh, I used to have those days uh, years ago when I first uh, started teaching. Uh, I used to teach uh, first graders. Can you imagine me in a room with 21 first graders? And, And one thing that I can tell you, that at the end of the day, I felt beat up. Those first graders really did me a job. They did me in. Every day I would come home from work and all I could do is go straight to sleep. I, I, would, I would even be hungry, you know. I would be starving, but I would be just so wore out. Because, you know, first graders, you know, they have a lot of questions, right? Well, Mr. Spencer, so and so, Mr. Spencer, Mr. Spencer. I'm like, okay, uh, we need quiet time, right? Uh, about five minutes, everybody quiet. I want you to look at the assignment. Just nobody talk. Don't, don't say Mr. Spencer. But, nope, 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 nope. But other times, you know, feeling beat up is, is not as fun as that. And oftentimes, it feels like you are fighting against the world. It feels like uh, everyone and everything is against you. Now, no, I am not suggesting that everyone and everything is truly against you. But I am saying that oftentimes we uh, come into those seasons or come into those days uh, that life issues uh, seem more intense than what they typically are. (laughs) If you are a believer, and I pray that you are, and if you are not a believer, I pray, pray that this day will be your day. If you are a believer, one of the things that you must be aware of is that uh, there is, as you have discovered in this series we've been been walking through, that there is a spiritual war going on all around us every single day. (laughs) Uh, So uh, there may be a connection between this intense feeling that you have You know, there's a feeling that you want things to go your way, uh, but on the other hand, uh, there's this this dark aspect that's also pushing into your life all at the same time. So all these things are just, uh, they're just coming at you. Sometimes it's a little much. Part of our problem as contemporary people is that we have a keen ability to discount and ignore uh, the spiritual war that's going on around us. (laughs) Imagine that, if you would, uh, being involved in a war uh, that you don't know that's going on all around you. Being involved in a war that you don't even know that you're fighting. (laughs) You see, intellectualism, the vast amount of education that you may have, uh, that oftentimes it causes us to rely solely on the brain, right? it causes us to rely on our noggins and not the Spirit of God. So in other words, we always try to explain everything away. I understand Uh, why... Uh, this person all of a sudden starts screaming at me in the store because they just weren't having a good day. I understand why, uh, you know, my kids all of a sudden, they went crazy. They just, you know, uh, they're just being kids. I understand why my boss is after me because they just want a promotion. Hmm. Today we're going to walk again down the path of Scripture. That clearly teaches us that there is a reality in every single person's life. This spiritual reality, uh, one of a spiritual war, this invisible war, which is true for the believer and the non-believer alike. So in other words, you don't have to believe that it's so to make it seem that it's so. So, so in other words, what I'm saying to you is that there are things that are in play that you can ignore it all you want. You're still going to be held accountable for, you're still going to be involved in it. Imagine going down the expressway. You're ignoring all the speed limit signs or uh, do like I did when I first started driving, right? I just didn't even look at the speed limit signs. I just, I just drove, so, uh, when the first time I got pulled over by a police officer, he says, okay, do you know how fast you were going? My reply was, well, no, because I really didn't know how fast I was going. He said, well, you were going so-and-so and so-and-so, whatever the case may be, right? And he began to issue me a ticket. Now, now just because I was ignorant of the signs uh, didn't mean that I, was, uh, that I didn't have to follow those signs. So just because you are ignoring that there is a spiritual war, that does not mean there is no spiritual war. We are a part of this war, whether you like it or not, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, you are a part of it. If you are a believer, I pray that you wake up and look at what the Lord is trying to show us all today. Uh, Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So if we are involved in the spiritual war, and yes we are, one of the first things that we must do, or the first things that we must be, and that is we must be strong in the lord we must be strong in the lord ephesians 6:10 finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might the strength that believers are encouraged to have through scripture is uh, the strength of the lord in other words, uh, you know, you can uh, work out with weights, right? You're trying to uh, get those huge biceps, right? And you start at a lighter weight and you build that muscle up and you get strong through, through your, own, uh, your own doing, right? Or some people get strong. Uh, they say that uh, once I get married, uh, you've heard this before, then I will be what? happy, I see my wife, she knows cause she got happy when she met me and married me That's the way that is so Uh. so we always think in our minds whether it's marriage, whether it's weights whether it's eating all the right things, we always imagine in our minds that there is this external thing that we do in order to make us strong right but Paul say, says, it's not so. He tells us that if you're going to be strong, if I'm going to be strong, that we're going to find our strength where? In the Lord. Where does our strength come from? It comes from where? The In the Lord. Let's try it one more time, and I want you to shout that like you mean it. Where does your strength come from? The Lord. I know that it seems that I'm stating the obvious, uh, but know that the focus here, when Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I know it seems like I'm stating the obvious, but know that it is in the Lord that is the focus here in this verse. Uh, one of the things we know about Ephesus, right? Uh, Ephesians is a group of people who lived in Ephesus. Okay, So one of the things we know about Ephesus, uh, a a literal uh, geographical location, is that it was a place that was ripe and was full of spiritual darkness. In Ephesus, as you recall uh, here in uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 14, that there were seven Jewish men who were exorcists. And they thought they were bad. Right? And if you don't know anything about exorcists, uh, their job is to go out and, and... and, and tell demons to come out of people. So the, I guess they had been watching Paul. And, and maybe had heard about some of the other apostles. So they thought they were going to go ahead and imitate what they were doing. So these seven guys, they started going to folks. And uh, they, uh, they, they went to someone. And they tried to cast out those demons. And they tried to cast out those demons in the name of Jesus Christ. And those demons told them, told them, hold up and wait a minute. That's what they said. The demon's talking back. And I know that sounds funny, but I want you to know, when you've heard it for yourself, it ain't no joke. So those demons, they hollered back at these guys and, and they said, hold up, wait a minute. They said, Jesus we know. And not know as as in having Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, right? Not that kind of know. They're saying, Jesus we know. We heard about him. He got all the powers. He's omnipotent. He knows all these things. We know about Jesus. We're scared of Jesus. So they're saying, we know about Jesus. We have heard about Jesus. So Jesus we know. They they say even Paul. We know even Paul. Why? Because Paul was operating in the spirit of God. People were getting saved. Lives were being changed through the ministry of the apostle Paul. So we heard of Jesus and we heard of Paul. But who do you think you are? And all those demons, they jumped on those men. Right? So you, you just be careful with who you're hanging out with. Okay? Uh, look, if you're hanging out with an unbeliever, you're trying to hook up with an unbeliever, I'm telling you, you need to, don't do it, because Scripture already tells you don't do it. Okay? That's what Scripture tells us. So if you, uh, anyway, that's for some other time, but I'm just trying to tell you that you need to be careful about who you hang out with. Because the very thing that's on them uh, could eventually be on you. Be very careful who you get yoked with, as right? the scripture says. So those demons jumped, j- jumped on those men, and they went out screaming naked. They're screaming, they, Those demons tore them up. That's the type of thing that was going on in Ephesus. Paul, he was trying to convince people in Ephesus through the power of God to turn away from idols and, and turn to Jesus, but the locals didn't like it. Uh, Acts chapter 19, uh, looking at verse 23 and 4. Paul was taking away uh, money uh, from many of the store owners, right? Uh, because you see, uh, in Ephesus, they had this great god that they call Artemis or Diana, right? And, uh, and not only was this one in which uh, people worship, but also many of the shop owners, they you know, they would cast these idols and they would sell them. So this one guy named Demetrius, right, you can call him Demi if you want, so Demetrius, uh, so he was making these idols and Paul, he comes into the picture, all these Christians and they're getting people saved, uh, people stop buying their junk. And that's exactly what it is, it's junk. They stopped buying all that junk. So uh, Demi and all his his boys and girls, they got together and said, we can't have this. We can't have no Christian come into play and and try to take our money from us. That wasn't nothing but the devil. You see, the devil oftentimes, he disguises his work uh, under the auspices of money. It's all about money. No, it's not about money. Oftentimes, you have the devil at work up underneath. So don't be fooled. Don't be unaware. And uh, so Paul was still trying to get uh, the message of the gospel out, but they would not allow Paul to to, to preach. Acts nineteen twenty eight and also uh, verse thirty four. So uh, all these people, uh, Demetrius. Uh, and the crowd, they began shouting out, Great! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So Paul, he began to preach to them, Jesus Christ is Lord and He can deliver you. And then they began to shout out, Great is Artemis! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great! And they wouldn't let him talk. <laughs> what will you do when people start to shout you down when you start talking about Jesus. What are you going to do? But in addition to the incident uh, with Paul and the crowd shouting their God's name, there were many other demonically influenced activities going on in Ephesus. Listen to this, listen, listen to this list. These are, all, these are some of the things that were going on in Ephesus. They had helper spirits, right? So little boys and little girls... Old boys and old girls who's trying to conjure folks up, leave it alone. They had incantations, you know, they had their. Uh, one of the things that I notice is coming under the guise under these days is people are asking folks, what is your mantra? Do you have a mantra? This thing that you recite when you get into a really, really bad place, you go back to your mantra so you can get into a good place? Rituals, formulas, and of course, a calling on their gods and goddesses. I will tell you today that if you have not yet learned to stay away from those things, consider the word of God telling you today that this is a warning I know some of you are saying, I ain't been involved in none of that. But how many of you are still looking at horoscopes? How many of you are still looking at horoscopes? Because you're trying to figure out how your day needs to be. So instead of uh, spending your time in the morning time before the Lord in devotions, you're spending your time reading horoscopes from a demon. Because you want to make sure that your day... So you mean to tell me that what's going to inform your day is something that's demonically influenced? If you are involved in any of that stuff, I am calling you right now. You need to renounce that, and you need to confess and repent before God and leave that junk alone. See, the Ephesians... They had learned to find their strength in these helper spirits. They had learned to find their strength in their incantations. They learned to find their strength in calling on their gods and their goddesses. Folks today are learning to find their strength in their mantra. They're learning to find their strength in their horoscopes. But Paul tells us this in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. <laughs> the curious thing about this is that, this is very curious, is that we always, we, we don't always feel strong in the Lord. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, sometimes... Uh, there are some days we just feel beat up. As you get older, you get aches and pains that seem to come out of nowhere. There are also uh, very challenging situations to which you have to deal with and which you had not planned. You, you, you're just going along in your life. Uh, my wife and I, we were coming back from uh, wherever we were coming back, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And we we're going down the street. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's ambulance and police and fire trucks. They were, they were rushing to a corner, and we happened to pass that corner. And uh, there was a person. We could see the person laid over to the side with his shoes off, bleeding, and so on and so forth. I began to pray. And, uh, but nevertheless, I, I began to uh, remark to my wife I said, You know what? They're probably just like us. They probably were just like us. They probably just went to the store maybe to pick up a loaf of bread. Maybe they just, you know, decided just to go. It's a, it was a nice day. Maybe they just decided they're going to go and get their car washed and then go back home. Or maybe they decided they would go and uh, they'll grab something to eat. You know, they'll go to White Castles or something and grab something quick to eat because they were hungry, they didn't feel like cooking, and then they would go back home and sit on the patio or do something like that. And now they find themselves laying out on the side of the road. You know, there's challenging situations that occur in our life uh, which we don't expect. So regardless of what's going, what you're going through, I want you to be encouraged to be strong in Jesus and depend upon him. So, why do we need God's strength according to the context, right, of our passage today? We need God's strength, right, because our enemy wants to destroy us. Last time we talked about, we heard about uh, the fact that there were strongholds that were being put up in people's lives to prevent them from receiving the word of God or putting up strongholds so they wouldn't receive God's word. But also these strongholds were prisons that kept people imprisoned. Now we have an enemy who wants to attack our position. So we need God's strength because our enemy wants to destroy us. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The enemy of this world, uh, he constantly plots and plans against us in order to gain control over us or try to get our allegiance. (laughs) Uh, This is no secret. This is no secret to most people in this room and even uh, the world at large. Uh, Whether they know Jesus or not, uh, oftentimes they realize that there is something, uh, oftentimes sinister, that's happening in the world. And you know, as a believer, you know how it is when you're around your friends and your family, and you try to talk to things about Jesus, and they just don't want to hear it. Right? Have you been there before? I may have shared a story with you before, and if I haven't, I'm sharing it with you now. You've heard it before, I'm sharing it with you again. I had to share with you before, about years ago, having attended a McDonald's convention down in Orlando, Florida and uh, so we were rehearsing for this convention, uh, this grand opening that they had at, this, uh, at the convention, and we were rehearsing, so someone comes into the rehearsal, and they say, you know, uh, rehearsal is canceled, we need for you to go back to your hotel rooms. See? But during that trip, as I was trying to share Jesus Christ with some of my friends, they really didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear anything I had to say. Right? Uh, so, So we began to inquire, why are they canceling rehearsal? And then they said, well, because at that time, I forget what his name is now, uh, the CEO of, of McDonald's, he had a heart attack and he died. Right? In the midst of preparation for this convention in which owners and leaders from all over the world were converging upon Orlando. So wow, everybody kind of, wow, isn't that something? So we just went on our way. We're like, okay, well, all right, we just have to see what's going to happen. So we are heading back to our hotel, which is across the street uh, from this convention center. So we're heading back to our hotel. And then all of a sudden, we see, uh, you know, uh, I think it was an ambulance and the police and so on and so forth. I'm like, man, what's going on here? And like right on the path, I mean, literally, uh, probably this this monitor was it. and, And our path was like here. We're walking along this path, And there's a dead body. This guy had jumped, I think it was seven or eight stories up. He had climbed up and he jumped out of the window. Now, now, all those friends who didn't want to hear what I had to say, now they turned to me and they asked the question, hey, preacher. They called me, they said, what's going on? I said, what do you mean, what's going on? Hey, you know, this guy, he had a heart attack, he died, and we—you know—and this guy, he, fall, he falls out the window, right? You know, what's going on? And then for the rest of the trip, all of a sudden, there was an open door for the gospel. You see, the world, even though they may ignore the fact that there is darkness out here, you have an event like that happen, or you let there be a 9-11, and you see how people respond. Uh, people will change their minds in an instant. Uh, they will change their minds in an instant and really begin about something sinister. Happened when when a co-pilot with 150 people on the plane that he decides to fly his plane in the side of a mountain. Yeah, we yeah we can't judge you right. Uh, they say he was depressed and so forth. But I'm telling you, the way that this dark thing works, you just never know how he's going he's gonna to show or manifest himself. That's why, look, before you go on a trip, before you go on a trip, you better pray. If you're flying or in a bus, it can happen anywhere, right? Uh, before you go, you pray for the pilot. You pray for the co-pilot. You pray for... I guess we used to call them stewardess, Uh, what they call a flight attendants. Uh, You pray for the flight attendants. You pray for the plane. You just cover the whole thing with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't take it for granted. I want you to know that there's something out here that wants to kill you. It is a fact. You can ignore it all you want, but that's not going to make it go away. Sooner or later, you'll come back to me and say, you know what, pastor, I'm going through this. And I say, you know, that ain't nothing but the devil. Same thing I told you before. But understand that we are not at war with people. We are at war with spiritual forces of evil. These spiritual forces are organized in hierarchies with leaders. The scriptures tells us that they uh, are rulers and authorities, cosmic powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly places. You've heard before that these heavenly places is a place where believers also receive blessings from God. And I repeat this again, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So our blessings come from the heavenly places. But this is also why Daniel 10 Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. This is why uh, the devil also makes every attempt to stop you and I from getting blessed through the Lord. So as God as something, whatever happens, I don't know, I haven't seen it with my eyes. All I know is I have the testimony of Scripture, and the Scripture tells me that we get blessed in the heavenly places, and the Scripture also tells us that in heavenly places that there is a war going on. That's out to get you. That's out to get me. This is what I know. I haven't seen it for myself. Daniel chapter 10 verses 12 and 13. Then he said to me, this is an angel speaking to Daniel. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your word. So in other words Daniel from the first time that you got down on your knees and say Father he says that your prayers were heard before God. All right. In verse 13 it's almost like you can add the word but here. Right? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, okay? so that means that God had dispatched an angel to give an answer to Daniel in the heavenly places so Daniel is probably crying out to God, God do you hear me? for 21 days, 21 days and we know how faithful Daniel was because he prayed at least three times a day, right? Right? Because he risked his life. And uh, so for 21 days, imagine Daniel is praying and crying out to God. Have you ever been in that place that you've been crying out to God and it seems like God doesn't even hear you? That you have not just prayed for 21 days, that you've prayed for 42 days. You've prayed for 52 weeks. You've prayed for 5 years. or 10 years. And it's like, Nothing is happening. Could it be that within these heavenly places, within the heavenly realm, uh, that there is someone who's trying uh, something uh, that's trying uh, to prevent you from being blessed? These heavenly places, as we know as the spiritual location, normally unseen by us impacting both what may happen in our lives and also the prayers that we ask the Lord. So you may think that your prayers are not getting through to God because of who you are. God is not answering me because I haven't been right before God, uh, because I didn't repent this, and that's nothing but the devil too. You know that you've confessed your sins before God, and the devil always tells you the reason why God is not answering you because of this. And then he goes and tells you, you go ahead and you confess that thing. And then the devil says, well, uh, the reason why uh, your prayer is not being answered now, because you, you confessed that thing. But when you confessed it, you didn't get on your knees and you didn't believe. So then you go back, you confess your sins before God, and you, and you, and you do the whole thing again. And then the devil comes to you again. You know God is not going to answer your prayer. Because had you had faith the first time, you wouldn't have to go the second time to do what you did. You see, the devil uh, does not want to do anything except accuse you and condemn you before God. The kingdom of darkness, this is a fact, it does have authority to rule in certain places. And they will interfere or try to interfere with what God is trying to do in your life. So verse 13 here in Ephesians 6. The idea of withstanding deals with standing one's ground when attacked by an enemy. Standing one's ground when attacked by an enemy. This standing withstanding means to oppose something, uh, whether it's within your behavior, but also psychologically. So when we are standing our ground against the enemy, It will not only require our actions to correspond uh, to these things, uh, but also our internal uh, attitude, which is informed by the truth of God's word. So we have to know God's word in order to engage in this battle. We've talked about that before. Believers must therefore be ready for battle with the proper battle gear on, uh, but we must be prepared in the minds as well. Part of this preparation means first accepting the reality that we will be attacked. You're going to be attacked. Now, now, I'm not saying that uh, everywhere you turn around, you're going to find a demon, right? I, I've said that before, right? You don't have to worry about, you know, is there, you know, let me, let me pray for this plant right here. Uh, let me just move it out the way because I want to make sure that there ain't no demon there. Uh, let me let me go and and look at this chair, make sure there ain't no demon hide, hiding up under it. So uh, not only do I need to anoint the top of the chair with oil, but I need to get some oil and throw it up under the chair as well. Yeah, I don't want you to I don't want you to act crazy, but I do want you to realize the sobriety that is inherent within our spiritual lives so part uh, I'm sorry uh, there are no maybes in this discussion Uh, you're you're gonna be attacked if you haven't been attacked hold on I'm not wishing that upon you but I know reality and I know how the devil operates in that in that regards now we may be naive and think uh, that since I am in Christ uh, no evil will befall me Uh, nothing will ever happen to me I don't have to worry about that really Really? Okay. I, I, I may have shared this with you before, a discussion that I had with uh, Erwin Lutzer, and he was explaining about uh, this woman who was demonically oppressed, and, and, she was, uh, uh, and she was showing up at his door of his office every time that he was there. And he couldn't figure out what was going on until he got some information from uh, someone from the theology department who came and they began to pray. And eventually that person left. And I think, uh, if, if I'm correct, I think it had to do something with uh, uh, that maybe that he would be uh, uh, her husband or something. But she would show up regularly at that door. So we can think all we want to that dark spirits have uh, no sway in our life. But I tell you that uh, this is living in a self-made spiritual bubble that's not part of our reality. We must ask ourselves this question. Why does the Lord allow Paul, if you don't believe this stuff, why would the Lord allow Paul to write it in Scripture to begin with? Right? So if it was true for Paul in Ephesus, guess what? It's all It can be true with you as well. So why don't we stand our ground when we are faced with these incredible spiritual oppositions, where number one, is, it has to do with fear. Some of us are just afraid. And one of the fears is, is we're afraid of the enemy. Many of us uh, just become afraid because we're intimidated by the enemy who throws threats at us, and all we hear is the barking. He goes, root, root, woo, root, roo, roo, and we run scared. So we don't want nothing to do with that. That barking that paralyzes us and prevents us from engaging But as we mentioned before 1 John 4 and 4 Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater that means stronger be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The other thing we fear is that we feel again that we are not well equipped for the battle. (laughs) We say things like I don't have what it takes to enter the fray. Well guess what? You may not have what it takes, but you're there. We say things like, well, before I engage in this battle, I need a few more years of preparation and training. A few, a few more weapons and a few more fellow so, soldiers to fight alongside of me. And maybe some of our military people can help me. Uh, Brother Reuben, how long did you guys have to spend in, in boot camp? You don't remember it, like he's that old, right? <laughs> Check this out. So, Dad, how long did you spend in boot camp? Do you remember? Do you remember how long you spent in boot camp, Dad? Huh? Six months. Think about it. Six months, nine weeks, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, six months. It like, you know, if it's six months or if it's nine months, is, is this enough time for me, we've been like, like, if I'm walking down the city of Chicago, right, going to 7 Eleven, and then one day they draft me and say, You're going to war, and we're going to train you for six months, and then we're going to take you here, and then we're going to take you to Iraq or Afghanistan, right, and you're going to fight somebody that you really personally didn't have a beef with, but your life is going to be at stake. Is that really enough time? You see? It doesn't make a difference how much time it is at the end of the day. The only way for us to really to go, if we say, uh, be, be like me, uh, if someone ever asked me to walk a tightrope, well, first, if I'm going to walk a tightrope across, a, a, very, uh, across a, a depth that's like 50 feet, first thing I want to know is, uh, will I have a rope tied to me? Well, first, I'm not going to do it. I want you to know that. But if I did it, I need a rope tied to me. Okay? Then, say, so, okay, uh, I want a parachute, too. Then I want, to have, uh, uh, I want to have down below one of those airbags, so if I do fall, we make sure I fall in the airbag. Then I want to make sure that all the walls are covered in airbags, right? And then I want to make sure that uh, there's somebody there to catch me just in case I go too low. See, I will keep going and then and then and then until the final point I would probably say, you know what, I ain't doing this. That's what I would do. You give me all these assurances and eventually I would say, I'm not going to, I ain't doing this anyway. That's crazy. You don't have that option as a believer in Christ. You are there. Uh, With God's armor, we can stand our spiritual ground. Uh, Verse 14 in Ephesians 6. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we talked about the place of the word of God in spiritual warfare last week, uh, so we are definitely not going to mention that today. But standing your spiritual ground means not giving in to the pressures of an enemy who is already defeated. He's already done. He's done with. In these last few years, we have heard uh, quite a bit about, uh, talk about uh, the validity of the stand your ground law, right? Somebody come messing with you in certain states, you can stand your ground, and uh, you can do whatever you have to do, and you'll be all right. I'm not sure how all this stuff works exactly, all the intricacies of the law, but I do know that errors can be made. And when it's implemented, oftentimes the person utilizing such law, oftentimes there's some funny things going on. Such is the case with many laws that people enact when they put together. They just, you know, there's always something funny going on. But verse 14 tells us to stand. We must stand in God's strength and prepare for an eventual attack. This call by the Lord to stand brings to mind how the children of Israel were delivered from the clutches of Pharaoh and his army. But as they uh, departed, Pharaoh uh, Pharaoh felt humili- humiliated and decided to attack Israel anyway. He said, you can go. But when they left, he's like, you know what? They're not go that easy. So here's Israel. They're just on their merry way and they're following God like you and I. Right? And they reach this point. They, they reach this water, the Red Sea, or the Reed Sea, and they know they can't go that way. When they turn around, they have Pharaoh's army approaching them, ready to attack them. What do you do? What do you do when you can't go to the left? What do you do when you can't go to the right? You can't go up. You can't go down. That's the place we oftentimes find ourselves in. You know, we pray to God and we pray for deliverance lord deliver me we have nowhere to turn and oftentimes it's like uh, we have to suffer through that's what it feels like it looks like help is not coming what do you do when all of your options are exhausted What do you do when you have no more friends that you can call or count on? God tells us, God tells me to stand. Exodus 14, verse 13. This is what Moses said to the children of Israel. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. So Moses tell them, when we see here, he says, "Fear not, when he says, stand firm in the, uh, uh, the ancient Greek Old Testament, uh, you know it's not by now, it's called the Septuagint, right? The ancient Greek Old Testament. The word for stand firm is the same word we see for stand here in Ephesians 6. Paul tells us to stand. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Then you also know by now the schemes are the methods. The Greek word there is methetes, which means methods. So, in other words, the devil, uh, what he tries to do, uh, he tries to look at your life and try to utilize things in your life in order to trip you up and mess up your testimony. So, for one brother, he may say, you know what? Uh, I know how we're going to get him. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to make sure that uh, pornography pops up on his machine. Right? Right? And if you're anything like me, you got, you got all the filters and everything off, so none of that stuff pops up anymore. And then what do they do? They start sending you emails. Click on this, big fella. Right? And then you put filters on that. You block all that junk. right? You're not getting uh, any, no more pop-ups. You're not getting any more emails. But what happens? As my wife will tell you, they'll call you on the phone. You believe that? Who uses the phone nowadays? So they figure that okay, we can't. The devil says we can't get to him through the pop-ups. We can't get to him through the email. So we'll just call him on the telephone. I've had telephone calls in which they are inviting me to whatever they're trying to invite me to, or whoever, for that matter, whoever answers the call. For that matter, it could be that call could have been from my wife, right? Whoever picks up the phone. For another person, it may be the devil, he knows that you are a liar. He will try to get you into a place in which you will lie again and again until your life is finally destroyed. Another person is stealing. He knows you've got this thing that you just, you know, you, you like to take things that don't belong to you. And, and, and say, well, it was just out there, it really wasn't nobody's. And he increases this in your life. Or even in your relationships, right? And that person doesn't like me, so uh, they ain't nothing. And that person ain't even thinking about you. And this goes on and on until it destroys all of your relationships. <coughs> so notice one thing in Ephesians chapter 6, 14, as well as Exodus 14, verse 13. When they were involved in the midst of a heated battle, when they called out to the Lord, never at any time did God take them away. He did not whisk them away and say, oh, my child, I feel so... Sorry for you now, so let me just grab you with my holy hand and miraculously lift you up and put you 100 miles away. When you are on your job, and you're crying out to the Lord because somebody done started some mess and you're just crying to the Lord, Lord, just take them away, take them away, take them away, Lord, take them away. <laughs> it's like ain't nothing happening. They're still there, and you're still fighting them. You get the chance to see them. You got to talk to them, and they're not going anywhere, and you're still there. The fact that you are there, it just, when you start thinking about because I've been there before, I've been there before, just thinking about the job keeps you up at night. I remember a job that I was on at one time. I, would dr- I hated that job so much, and yes, I said hate. It really wasn't a job. It was really a person on the job. But that person on the job, because they were my superior, I hated that job so much that when I got up to go to work every day, I would just say, I hate this job. I hate this job. I hate this job. I just, Lord, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. Lord, if they could die, I would have them to die. I mean, I was was doing it. Because I just wanted me to disappear or them to disappear. And I had to put up for a whole year because I was under contract. And, and by the way, I was doing that within the first 30 days. The first 30 days on a job, the first week on a job, I, sa- I, remember, I, I remember saying this to myself. I said, uh oh, I'm in trouble. First week, first seven days, at the end of the seven days, I said, I'm in trouble. 30 days. I'm like, I can't wait. I said, I know I'm getting out of here. I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to happen. I got to get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Right? It wasn't get ready, get ready, get ready. It was, I got to get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Somehow God does not automatically move you away, move us away, and some kind of offer shows up on your doorstep when you're going through trouble. If you've been through anything negative in your life, you know how daunting and troubling this can be. Then we are in the midst of trouble and it seems like it lasts forever. Every moment is a moment of drudgery and painstakingly slowness. Some people, when darkness begins to close in, any way out seems better than just being there. Any way out. And for some people, they just rather not live than to deal with the pressures that they have to deal with. And I'm telling you here today, if that's you, you need to get to the Lord that God, he wants to deliver you today, if that is you, If you're saying that there is no way out, I'm saying that there is a way out, but that way out is through Jesus Christ. So I want you to to, to begin to fight for your, your mind, fight for your spirit, but I want you to do it in the strength of the Lord and in the strength of His might. You can't do it alone. You can't do it with your friend. You can't do it with your neighbor. You must do it with Jesus Christ. Only He can deliver your mind. There is a way out, and it is through Jesus Christ. So scripture not just encourages us to stand, uh, but Paul, he commands us. And when we see the word stand, this is what we call an imperative. This is a command. You are commanded by the holy God to stand firm in the midst of a situation in which the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. We typically understand stand to mean the act of remaining in the same place. But in our passage, it means to stand in one place as we are prepared and ready. In other words, you are not just standing there expecting the beating. No, you're just going to get beat up. No, the scripture is not saying that. You're standing there with the whole armor of God on. You're standing there ready for a fight because you know it is about to get ugly. We're now about the spiritual weapons that Paul writes about. How do we utilize those? Of course, I don't have enough time to you know, go through each of these weapons and so forth. But the point, and here's the point, the, the point of the weapons is not in the different parts that it represents. Right? The the, the point is not the sword, not a literal sword. The the point is not putting on a helmet. The point is not putting uh, army boots on. Uh, the, the, The point is not putting a belt around your waist. No, that is not the point. Because if that is the point, then that would diminish what the scripture says. The purpose of these articles of clothing directly reminds us of of what they represent, then this is acceptable. If we then think about this spiritual armor as weapons of war that people use, are we not then warring in the flesh? If we're talking about a literal sword and a shield and a helmet and a a breastplate and so on and so forth, are, are we not operating according to the flesh? Let's try that again. So if we have a sword in our hand and we're swinging like this, doing stuff like this, you're operating in the flesh. I'm telling you, you are operating in the flesh. And you start all that swinging and, and uh, talking about, I'm going I'm to kick the Lord. I remember, I remember one guy, he was a preacher. He said, I'm, I'm going to kick the Lord. And he's singing his song and he started kicking all this other stuff. I'm telling the devil had his way with him. You're operating in the flesh. See, this is a spiritual war. So our weapons are, starting in verse 14, truth. Truth. You living and being in the truth, right? Righteousness. Gospel of peace faith salvation and again the word of God all these things they come together but at the end of the day uh, this weaponry it, it begins and ends with a relationship with Jesus you don't have Jesus you ain't got no armor try it again if you don't have Jesus you don't have any armor you can't claim anything But there is more. There is more. I wanted to mention just in passing. See, so I'm not going to talk about all these. But one of the things I want to talk about very quick that the uh, uh, scripture, it tells us uh, that when the enemy, this is, uh, this is verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, right? We know the importance of faith that we must have. Uh, believing what we can't see, this is important, right? The shield of faith. Well, the idea of these flaming arrows is that uh, the way that they were constructed was when they, uh, these arrows of fire would hit, if you can imagine, because their shields at this time, they were not made of, uh, they were not thinking of, of metal shields, but of wooden shields. So when these arrows would come, these flaming darts would come, they would hit the shield. And if you can imagine, if something of fire hits something made of wood, what happens? It begins to burn, right? It begins to burn. Uh, So the idea is that what what the enemy has in mind, that he wants to throw these darts at you, and he wants there to be collateral damage. He wants, and, and it's very interesting, that the darts, they come after your faith. The darts come after your faith. They don't want you to believe that God has called you to be a conqueror. The devil doesn't want you to believe uh, that you are going to heaven. He doesn't want you to believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. He doesn't want you to believe any of that. So he throws all these things at you. And they begin to seep into your life. One more piece of weapon. Here it is. You ready for it? Prayer. 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 Prayer is an important piece in our spiritual arsenal. Verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then Paul goes on to talk about himself. But we are called to pray. Isn't it interesting that prayer is not giving an exciting metaphor like shield or helmet or shield or sword? Or breastplate. If Paul just says to pray. He tells us to pray. It's very interesting that oftentimes when we think of putting on the full armor of God, right? Oftentimes when we think of a presentation of the armor of God, right? We never see people pray. Yeah, we see them wow, 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 right? With all the metal on, all the armor on, but we never see them pray. Somehow God recognizes righteous prayers and answers them according to his own sovereign time. Maybe this is why we pray so little, because we want to do things. want to have that shield, want to have that sword. Look at my helmet, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, right? But praying, I mean, what is praying? Look, you're just sitting there. I mean, what's that? This is the thing God is telling us that's going to help to get us through the things we're going through. And Lord knows that we have plenty of things to pray for. Praying for our position in Christ, praying that we and others will know the hope of which he has called us, praying for those we love, that they will open their eyes and their hearts to the gospel, praying for our churches and that the Lord will grow them deep and wide, praying for protection from the enemy who wants to stop us and our families from being free in Jesus Christ, praying for our health needs, our financial needs, our, our family needs, and anything else the Lord lays on our hearts. You see, God is telling us, you want victory, pray. Do you want victory? We pray. If you want victory, do what? Pray. God wants us to be people who pray. And in that prayer, you're going to find your victory. And then when you find some other good brothers and sisters in the faith who will join you with prayer, you begin to knock on heaven's gates and God pays attention to that. Yes, he pays attention to one prayer, but he begins to to realize that everyone has united their hearts together and they're calling on heaven uh, to issue an answer to a situation here on earth. And God will answer you. God will answer you. God has called us to be people of faith. Will you pray? Along with the word of God, prayer is a powerful part of our spiritual weaponry. Take it, brothers and sisters. Use it. Look, the spiritual war, it's no joke. It's not funny. God calls us to stand our spiritual ground in Christ and to stand firm. Why? Guess what? You're already victorious in Christ. You may not feel like it, but it's the truth. I think about Juneteenth. If you're familiar with Juneteenth. Juneteenth is a time in which uh, some of the uh, people down south discovered that they were actually free. It took them many, many months to get the information But guess what? By June, they were already free, but they were acting like slaves. What are you going to do? Are you going to act like a slave of the enemy, knowing that you are free today? How are you going to respond to God's word? Are you waiting on your Juneteenth? God has already made you free. You are no longer captive. You are not a slave to sin if you know Jesus Christ. What are you going to do today? Live in victory and pray. Live in victory. Read God's word. And God will cause you to be more than a conqueror in him.